Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And we are playing happy birthday music because it's the Cardinal's birthday. Cardinal e, uh, Cardinal Dolan's birthday, and today is his birthday, so I hope he's celebrating, and and I hope uh, I'm sure he's healthy. And and Cindy Adams called me before; he says she talked to him, and everything's great. Wow, he's sharp as a tack. And um, a by the way, wonderful man, just what, a wonderful man. Oh, what a wonderful man! And since we're on the music binge, I think we should play a little bit. Uh, one of my favorite singers. How sad is this, Toby? Wow. Toby Keith, everybody, uh, who was one of the most patriotic, great Americans, passed away uh, very young. He was only 62 years old, battling stomach cancer. And that song uh, was one of the greatest hits. John, I was reading 40 million records sold. Wow. Huge. And and great American. Loved our troops. You know, I tell everybody, that's why we do the segment on on the Sunday Cats Roundtable. You know, stay healthy when you're younger. Because sometimes you reach a point where they can't fix it. Yep. They couldn't fix the stomach cancer. They couldn't fix. Uh, and listen, uh, uh, yesterday we had Nigel Farage on. I hope uh, uh, King Charles is getting better, and I hope uh, they'll be able to fix the problem he has. And uh, we have Dr. Mark Siegel on later. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the possible cancer that King Charles has. And you know what we said for the first time in in America since 1775, not six, God save the king. Exactly. That's, right. That's, right. That's how we ended the show last night. Yeah. You know, John, yeah. just one point is, you know, people don't go to doctors today. They're afraid of going to doctors. And if you go to the doctor religiously every year and you find something, you can cure it and you can live. Yes. You know, but people are ignorant. Absolutely. That's well, the message. You got to get to your doctor. It's COVID the message. impacted people's preferences about seeing doctors yeah. they were afraid to go they stayed home and a lot of problems came out of the covid era which is why i'm so glad that to john's point we have dr siegel we have of course dr, dr. peter Mihalos, yeah. of course yeah. the two of the best in the business out there um one thing that may not fix our doctors um the misspeaking joe biden uh confusing French President Emmanuel Macron with the ex-leader Mitterrand, Mitterrand, of course, who died in 1996. You can't make this stuff up. You can't, you can't make, make it up. This up. He said, oh, I had a meeting not that long ago with, and everyone's going, wait a minute, he died in uh, the 1990s. Rita, he's the only president we've ever had who both sees the dead and speaks to the dead. <laughs> well, I just got a text uh, from uh, a friend, um, and uh, it says, the Biden administration pressured Amazon the censor books related to COVID-19 vaccine uh, in early 2021, citing concerns that the material contained uh, propaganda and misinformation. Yeah, you know what that is, John? I saw that earlier. It's doctors who said, well, maybe we should be careful about the vaccine. Maybe we need more information. They said it is conspiracy theories. And also things tied to the Wuhan lab. Some of the things, which, by the way, have turned out to look more true than not. So well, they were you know, censoring information because we they lost, didn't want it out there. We then. lost so many friends uh, 
that had COVID because of blood clots, because of heart attacks. We lost a lot of friends. The first friend we lost a week after he got the, the, the booster, Charlie, Charlie Timmel. Timmel. Charlie Timmel. And he was a good guy. He was a very good guy. He was a former president of the Jewish Community Relations Council. And by the way, California rushed out in their great wisdom and made it unlawful for a doctor to contradict the conventional wisdom, and they would rescind their licenses if they violated it. A, fa- a, fa- a Fauci. Fauci. Yeah, yeah, Fauci. Uh, now, I mean, can you imagine that saying to doctors if they have a different you point know of something? view? Are we ever going to learn the truth, or is it part of who killed, who killed Kennedy? Never. Who knows? You mean like they'll keep it sealed for years? Uh, well, one thing we do know, John, and before we move on to Professor Dershowitz, we're also going to be talking to Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne from Texas. She's coming up. In a few minutes. Well, to talk about the border and President Biden's speech, which I found so distasteful. I understand that the deal is off. I heard Mitch McConnell and his people are saying it's not going to happen. Yes, it looks like uh, it's dead on arrival, even within the Senate. Yep. Um, but and, but and, President and, Biden is blaming now. You read that? You ready for this, John? Just a few minutes ago, President Biden came out and said the border would be secure if it were not for President Trump and the MAGA Republicans. Absolutely true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you have a good sense of humor today, John. If you believe that's the truth, <laughs> yes. Whoever believes that's the truth, I will sell you the Brooklyn Bridge for, for less than $100. Yeah, wow, that is a deal. I'm telling you, that is revisionist history. I agree with and you, John. It have, was shocking. Uh, uh, I understand we're going to have Vito Fasella later on to talk about... Congestion pricing. Congestion pricing. The battle's heating the up. The battle is heating up and... Maybe we'll save Manhattan uh, after all. Let's pray. Let's pray. Well, joining us now, John, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz, of course, uh, the great, great book. He has The War Against the Jews, a powerful book, and also a great Harvard emeritus professor. Uh, professor Dershowitz, uh, let's get right to, obviously, the other big news is that the appeals court came out just recently and said that President Trump does not have immunity from prosecution. Uh, he said, I have presidential immunity. The appeals court said, no, your reaction. It isn't news. Everybody knew the decision was going to come down that way as soon as you heard the oral argument, as soon as you heard it was in the District of Columbia. Of course, it was going to come down unanimously against uh, President Trump having any immunity. But now he's going to appeal it to the Supreme Court. He has until next Monday to appeal. And the real question is, will the Supreme Court grant cert? You need four justices to grant cert. You need five to grant the stay. But once you grant cert, they'll grant the stay. So it's now a game of beat the clock. I mean, everybody is going against the clock. Uh, The Trump people want to make sure that it's delayed beyond the election. The anti-Trump people want to make sure it's before the election. So that it can influence the election. And so it's all going to be a question of timing. And it depends on whether the Supreme Court decides to take the case or not. And nobody knows the inner workings of the Supreme Court. Well, I mean, uh, I don't, you know, do, do we know who's running for president then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was upset today because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm generally a Biden supporter. But I was very upset when he couldn't remember the name Hamas during his press questioning. And he talked about kind of, you know, the adversary, the other side. Uh, and somebody had to remind him that the name was <clears throat> Hamas. Look, you know, I'm 85 years old and you have adult adult moments. He's much younger than you. You don't remember that. <laughs> I know. But uh, uh, I'm hoping he, he, he maintains his health. 
but uh, you know, it uh, it's uh, this is an election that nobody can predict because nobody can predict the health of either of the candidates in early November of this coming year, and that will be a big, big deal. And then I, I think, of course, who he, who he picks for vice president is a big deal, because whoever is the vice president on either ticket has a very substantial chance of becoming president. If you just look at the Metropolitan Life Insurance tables of longevity, you have to say to yourself, whoever the vice president is, may be Harry Truman, you know, the man that uh, Franklin Roosevelt, knowing he was going to die, picked to be vice president. He dumped his previous vice president, Henry Wallace, and picked a man he thought would be a great president. And he was right. Truman was a great president. Yeah, that's an interesting point. By the way, before we move on to what you said before about President Biden, I was watching the speech, too. I had the same reaction, uh, Professor Dershowitz, when he said the opposition. I'm thinking, is he talking about the political opposition? And then finally he grasped the word Hamas. I found so it also. Gave it to him. Well, somebody, somebody actually gave it right, to him. Right, somebody, yeah, somebody gave it to him. It to him. Yeah. But but the yeah. fact that he was using it in the sense of opposition, like it's almost political parties. I'm sorry, I call Hamas terrorists. I don't call them opposition. <laughs> no, I agree. But I'm glad at least he knows that Hamas is on the other side, and it is. And Hamas is now going to turn down or try to re re offer. You know, the the Israelis and the Americans have made a very generous offer to, too generous in my view, in the view of many, but a very, very generous offer to uh, terminate hostilities and to get the hostages out. And now Hamas is calling the shots. And uh, they're going to decide whether to do this. But it will have no effect on the demonstrations. Even if it's Hamas who doesn't have the ceasefire, these useful idiots, these, these students, will still continue to blame everything on Israel and will have demonstrations if, even that idiot at the uh, 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 event the other, the other night, the Grammys, who had to talk about ceasefire. Who cares about her views on the ceasefire? You know, let, let her stick to singing. I wish none of these uh, uh, events involved politics, but everybody thinks they have to say something about politics. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. And you know what? Two lawyers from Brooklyn, you and I both agree. It's going to be Biden versus Trump. I, I think that that's a fait accompli. Yeah. But the yeah. Democrats, you know, putting Kamala Harris up as the, as the vice presidential candidate, I think is a dangerous thing for the Democrats. I don't think they have a choice, but I think that's a dangerous thing. I think people are going to be afraid of that. No, I agree with you. I think the only option that they would have is if somebody on the Supreme Court suddenly were to resign or die or retire or something like that. And, shift her and then he could point her to the Supreme yeah. Court. That would be the only way that he could, with dignity, get her off the ticket. and uh, But I don't think that's going to happen. So I agree with you. I think the ticket is clear. The only person that we don't know who's going to be on the ticket is Trump's vice presidential choice. And, you know, I've said this a million times. If he did what, what uh, John F. Kennedy did and appointed a person he hates, but who will help him get elected, in, in, Johnson's, in uh, Kennedy's case, it was Lyndon Johnson. He couldn't stand them, particularly Robert Kennedy couldn't stand them. But he got him elected because he won the South. I think the same thing is true. If, Maybe uh, got him Trump killed, too. Appoint, who knows? Who knows? But who, <laughs> Nikki Haley, if he were to appoint Nikki Haley, he would get a lot of people upset and get him upset. But it would be the broadest base ticket, yep. which would appeal, I think, to more centrists than any other. Ticket. Rita, we're having dinner tonight with who? We are having it with uh, Tulsi Gabbard. 
And and that'll oh, be an interesting. That's one of the names sort of yeah. floated out there for she was a VP. Floated out there. Sarah Huckabee was floated out there. Uh, Christy Nome, also yeah. Tim Scott, also. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways, know, it's the vice know, president versus the vice president. Yeah. Uh, you know, I even had dinner with Mitterrand, so I can even testify. Recently? Uh, <laughs> Recently? It was, it was, was I, it I, last I, night? I'm going to name drop. It was with Ellie Wiesel. It was Ellie Wiesel at his home, and, uh, uh, Mitterrand was there, and I was there. And, uh, I that he was alive back then, but I can't testify beyond that. Oh my well, God. thank you so much. Uh, any thank anything, you. Judge? Before we uh, sign off, Alan, what's your prediction if the court takes up the case on the immunity? What the Supreme Court will do? Also, in terms split of timing, split the difference. It will split the difference. It will say, uh, of course, he doesn't have immunity if he gets the seals to go out and kill his political opponent. That's clear. His lawyer made a terrible mistake by answering that question so ineptly. Uh, but it will give him more immunity than the uh, circuit court gave him. It will give him immunity for anything that's arguably within his right, official you know, capacity. The court, right. the, the court made a terrible mistake by saying he has no role to play in the president. Of course he does. Of course he does. He could do it, for example, Al Gore did. He could concede. That's a role to play. And the Constitution also says that the president has to make sure that the laws are enforced so he has a role to play the question is is it a role that gives him immunity and that's you know something the court has to consider but the court went too far the opposite way you mean the dc circuit did right the dc circuit yeah thank you professor dershowitz we'll see you again real soon thank Thank you you, professor the stars at night are big and bright Deep in the heart of Texas. And, of course, all eyes on Texas, all eyes on the border, and, boy, all eyes on the president's speech just a little bit ago. Joining us to talk about all of this is Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne from the great state of Texas. She represents Texas' 24th Congressional District from the Republican Party. And Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne, um, we're so happy to have you back here. I have to tell you, my jaw dropped. I was watching President Biden just a few minutes ago. I want to repeat to our listeners what he said, because this was an astounding moment. He said, the only reason the border is not secure is because of Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. That, to me, is a shocking statement. Look, the guy has from day one has completely, completely butchered our our border. He's done it on purpose. He was told by the the outgoing folks that were in immigration and customs reform and enforcement and in our, our our customs and border patrol exactly what policies were working and what would happen if he removed them. So he knew eyes wide open, what would happen? This has been going on for three years. We have hit record numbers of people coming into our country illegally. Over 10 million people have entered our country since Biden since Biden took office. We have seen over 110,000 deaths as a result of fentanyl coming in illegally on our southern borders. This is completely blood on this president's hands. He's known it since day one. He's done it. And now because his poll numbers are tanking, 
He's trying to rep- he's trying to blame Republicans. Shocking! Is this not their game book from day one? Well, and it that was the absolutely thing. Ridiculous! You hit it on the head because he finally used the word crisis. He finally said the border is a crisis or not secure. It was like a week ago. The only crisis seems to be the fact his poll numbers are plummeting, and he's seeing it's the number one issue for Americans. This to I me think is it's so transparent. Be the number one issue in the election. Uh, uh, agreed, next week on, on Tuesday, course, we have the old DeSantos seat. Number one issue. And, 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 and I, I, how does he expect Governor Abbott, if he has to keep his constituents safe, how do you keep them safe? If he cared, and this is a good point, and if he cared about, you know, protecting the borders, why is he suing the state that is trying to do the job that the federal government refuses to do? The state of Texas has had to put in $5 billion to try to fight the 10 million illegal immigrants who've come in, 40% of which, by the way, have crossed into Texas border. 60% of the gotaways have been in Texas. And the governor is trying to do his best to do the job the federal government refuses to do. And if, and if Biden was serious about protecting our borders, why isn't he helping Texas? Instead, he's, he's threatening them. He's suing them. And he's forcing them to take down the border protection um, protocols that they've put up. That does not sound like a president that has any interest in our national security at all. And it does not sound like a president that wants to support the Republicans. In, in, in helping secure our borders. Instead, he's asking for literally billions of dollars more than the Trump administration ever had. And yet the Trump administration was doing the job. If they had a thousand crossings in a day, that was considered a disaster and they went after it. They had put policies in like remain in Mexico, building the border wall, working for the first safe country, turning away asylum seekers and understanding the fact that 80 or 90 percent of them actually don't even meet the requirements for asylum. That is what happens when you have a serious administration that's looking at national security. From day one, the Biden administration took those policies off the table, understanding what the ramifications were going to be, because they wanted to have 10 million people enter our country illegally. They wanted to reimagine what our country was going to look like. And quite frankly, they're excited for what the future brings, assuming that those people are going to be able to vote Democrat and that you will never see another Republican president or another Republican-led Congress ever again. You, you that feel that's, plan, that's the real reason? Do you feel that's the real reason? Hey, look, unless you give me a better one, it, it, it makes the most sense when you consider how they have completely abandoned our border, completely ignoring the fact that you've had over 300 people from the terrorist watch list who've come over, abandoning the fact that you have had um, um, thousands of Chinese nationalists, all military age men for the most part, that are coming in. We have no idea where these people are going. They're ignoring the 85,000 children who they have let come in here um, um, completely unaccompanied. Where are those kids now? Yeah, has, we have no has, idea. Has CBS turned no, we against. Have no idea. Has CBS 60 Minutes turned against uh, the Biden administration? You're referring to the reports, right? Because they had those migrant reports where they showed the wide open. They showed a Chinese Chinese, uh, quasi-soldiers coming in. Coming through the holes, right? You know what I think it is, John? I think it's just that it's so obvious that they have to show it. I mean, it's so overwhelming. Judge Weinberg, you have a question, too. Congresswoman, it's good to talk to you again. I just want to say this. President Biden does not need 
legislation. He has all the authority needs under the United States Constitution and under the immigration laws to enforce the border, to close the border. He has a distant relationship with the truth. Mayorkas testified before Congress and lied that the border was secure. It became a political problem. Then all of a sudden they said they need legislation to play the blame game against the Republicans. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, final thoughts, Congresswoman. And he knows he does not need there's there's nothing that he needs from Congress to be able to do his job. He independently through executive order has created this crisis. He could easily reverse it if he was interested. All they have to do is is enforce the laws that are currently on the books. They don't need any new bill coming out of Congress. They don't need any additional funding coming out of Congress. They simply need to do the job that the agency should be doing. And instead, what they're doing is they're instructing Mayorkas, and Mayorkas is instructing Homeland Security to ignore federal law. Yeah, which it's is why crazy. I'm excited to go on the floor right now and go vote to impeach Mayorkas. When you've done that much damage to national security, you got to be held accountable. And that's exactly what I hope to do tonight. Bravo. I say bravo. I mean, to me, it's just it's unconscionable what's happened. Uh, Congresswoman, thank you very much for being with us. Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne from the great state of Texas. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. Thank you. Well, right now, we're going to take, let's take a break right now. and We'll be right back. Yep. And we have uh, Joe Cairo about the Mozzie pillow race. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Of course, all eyes on the special election, which is set to take place next week for the George Santos seat in the House, a very critical one. There's also going to be a debate later on this week. And joining us now is GOP chair there of Nassau County. We have the great Joe Cairo. And, uh, Joe, uh, I know Mozzie, I've seen some of the latest numbers. Uh, she's doing great in the polls. I know there was a big event yesterday. You and Peter King, we had Peter King call in from it. It was a full house. Uh, talk about sort of, uh, what you're seeing there on the ground. And we were just talking about the border. Obviously, that is a huge issue. I think Mozzie's doing very well. I think the momentum is with Mozzie. When the race first started, the special election, she was unknown outside her legislative district. But now through mailings and knocking on doors, and that's the main thing that we have, 
that the Democrats don't have. We have neighbors knocking on neighbors' doors, you know, committee people, volunteers. I think that nothing replaces that personal contact. They had some unions come in from throughout the country over the weekend on Saturday for the first day of early voting. But we've got local people out there knocking on doors, speaking on behalf of Mozzie. She's making lots of stops. She's doing very well. Momentum is certainly with us. The issues are with us. Uh, we're on the right side of the issues. Immigration, the migrant situation is certainly something that deeply affects Long Island. Uh, I live in North Valley Stream, close to the Queens border. And with Creedmoor just up the block uh, on the other side of the Cross Island in Queens, we've seen many issues happening in the border communities like Belrose and Floral Park. So everything is there. We just keep doing what we're doing. We'll pull out the vote. Early voting started on Saturday. Uh, we had a large turnout on Sunday after the Democrats you know, brought in some outsiders uh, to, to pull out the vote on Saturday. So we had a large turnout Sunday. Right now, uh, as of last night, about 22,000 people had voted. Uh, the Democrats probably uh, voted in numbers uh, maybe about 15 or 1,700 more than Republican conservative. But there's a lot of independents. We know they're going to break with us. And there's going to be a lot of Democrats who switch over. Um, the world is upside down. They see it, especially in areas like Great Neck. So we we feel confident. We're just going to keep what we're doing. There is a debate Thursday night. It'll be aired Thursday night. And uh, we feel very confident in Mozzie. She's a great person, a great candidate. And we think uh, everything's going our way. Well, if if she's asked during the debate, uh, what happens if they ask you about it being a Democrat? She should say, well, I hope the common sense Democrats will vote for me. Oh, absolutely. And we think they will, just as they voted, just as they voted in North Hempstead and Oyster Bay, which is the which are the two towns that are included in the congressional district. Last November for Jen DeSena in North Hempstead and Joe Saladino in Oyster Bay, Democrats crossed over. We had great victories. The Senate in a Democrat stronghold won by 5,000 votes. And Saladino carried Oyster Bay, which is more Republican, with 70% of the vote. So Mozzie, when, when she first registered, like many immigrants, registered as a Democrat, but surely her party has, her, the party which she joined has left her. And she ran as a Republican in uh, 21 for the county legislature, captured a seat we never had before since the legislature was created in 95. She ran again as a Republican in 23. She caucused and voted with Republicans, and she, uh, she'll she be a true Republican when she goes to Washington. And we have uh, Craig Eaton here. Go ahead, Craig. No, you're not on. Uh, this is Craig Eaton, Chairman. Um, thanks for coming on today. But I want to tell you, you guys are doing a great job, and Congressman King's doing a great job as well, and the, and the Queens GOP. But you know what? This is not about tags, about Democrats or Republicans, conservatives, liberals. This is about saving New York and saving America, and you can do it. You've, you've pulled out a lot of stops in the past. You've got a lot of victories. We know you can do it. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Well, thank you. And, you know, let me just emphasize, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. We have so many volunteers and committee people out there. Peter does a great job. Peter and I go back many, many, over 50 years. We served on the board together in Hempstead. Before that, I was an undergraduate when he was at law school at Notre Dame. So he's truly a fighting Irishman. And with Peter's help, Mozzie's going to get there. Well, thank you so much, Joe Cairo. And uh, uh, we just want common sense. And, and the people in Nassau County, I think it comes down to one issue. You want migrants or you don't want the migrants? Let's not complicate the case. I mean, if I lived in Nassau County, that would be the issue. I would, uh, you know, I, I don't want m- migrants knocking on my door. Well, certainly, 
certainly each and every one of us, our parents or grandparents or, or beyond that came to this country, but they did it the right way, the legal way. And with the open border, it's just, uh, it's just terrible here in New York. We saw it in the city. We see it coming into Nassau County. And certainly the people in Nassau County don't want it. Joe Cairo, work hard. Thank you so much for coming on. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you very much. Thank Take you. care. Thank you, Joe. And Rita, right now, I, got, I heard we have some hot news. It's the top news of the day. Sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. And as you heard here on the top of Cats and Cosby, the border deal that also includes funding for Israel and Ukraine is all but dead in the U.S. Senate. President Biden more or less admitted that fact today. And as you heard, he incredibly also cast blame on former President Trump and the Republican Party for the border crisis. Yeah, that was a doozy. And one of the migrants who allegedly attacked two NYPD cops recently in Times Square, well, he has been indicted, just one so far. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg presented the evidence to a grand jury just a few hours ago. Upward of more than a dozen migrants are accused in the assault. Already, many of them have skipped town after not being held on bail. And a group of Republican New York lawmakers have called on Governor Kathy Hochul to remove Bragg saying he's mishandled the situation. And an initial report by the National Transportation Safety Board says a door plug blowout on a Boeing 737 MAX 9 plane may have happened because it appeared to be missing four key bolts. That is a stunning new detail, and we're, of course, going to have more on that later on on WABC News. And, John, those are your Goya top, 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 top. Hot, hot, hot stories of the day. You know, I love those Goya beans. They are the best I've ever eaten. Nutritious and delicious Delicious. and the best. Just like that newscast. Just like that newscast. Yeah, we have a special guest in the the studio. We're not going to tell you his name, but he likes Goya beans, too. Yeah, he's Greek. So he, you know, he, park Greek. And, yeah, park Greek, park Who Greek. Knows? What's the other part? I don't know. Who we'll knows? find out. We'll find out. Uh, let's take a break and we're going to come back with Vito Fasella and find out how the war is going against congestion pricing. Who's going to win it? You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, the fight against congestion pricing, it's a huge issue here on Cats and Cosby for everybody in New York. And joining us now is one of the guys who's leading the fight, thank goodness, uh, Staten Island Borough President, our friend Vito Fisella. And uh, Vito, you know, give us an update of where it stands with the lawsuit. I know you were banning, um, it was also the teachers union, a whole bunch of folks are obviously fighting the good fight. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. And good evening, uh, John and everybody. Uh, yeah, we, we're going to try to kill congestion pricing, plain and simple. Um, for Staten Island, from a parochial point of view, uh, the MTA's own study uh, indicates that air pollution will get worse and will continue to get worse over the next 20 years. Traffic will get worse and will get worse over the next 20 years. And they want us to pay for it. So there's no real rhyme or reason why Staten Island should, should support any type of congestion pricing. And we did the band together with the UFT, and Mike Moku, the president, had the courage uh, to fight back. And we were joined by a number of other elected officials and private citizens. And as you mentioned, uh, within the last 24 hours, about another 400,000 municipal employees have now agreed to sign on in a supportive brief. And we will continue to apply the pressure. We think it's wrong. That's a money grab. 
Uh, and if they want to start making headway to get more money, there's about $700 million in fare evasion for those who don't pay when they take the fare, the subway or the buses. That would be a good start. Uh, but we don't think it's right. We think it's going to hurt the city. It does nothing about reducing congestion for the people of Staten Island whatsoever. And frankly, if congestion pricing were methodology, why don't we impose migrant pr- pricing? Maybe we could stop the flow of uh, migrants coming into the city if we change our, our way of thinking. So we're going to continue to fight. The next step is, um, it, as you might know, there are a lot of different lawsuits out there in different district courts at the federal level. And there's been a request to sort of sit down and see if a settlement can be reached or discussed. We've agreed uh, that we would be happy to sit down. I don't know what will happen, but that's where things stand as of uh, as of today. Wow. So so give us a sense um, of the timetable of where things stand with all of this. And I'm so glad you're leading the charge. I, I don't know how people can handle it, Vito. You just talked about with all the taxes. Uh, now Adam's pitching this. It's a four, $53 million, the credit card debt. What's the timetable with all these uh, legal issues that you're focusing on? Well, you know, the MTA moved very swiftly to get this thing done. We they had a. They did something called an environmental assessment. Uh, we felt that at a minimum, an environmental impact statement uh, should be warranted. Uh, and as I mentioned, there are different causes of action, like something the dormant com- commerce clause and, and other aspects of the law that we feel are just not being followed. So the timetable is the next step is a, this pre-settlement conference. Uh, I don't know if we have a date yet, uh, but that could be coming up shortly. But the MDA wants money, right? We all want money, uh, but they want it uh, more quickly than anybody else. They've already gone ahead and installed all these things around the city so they can flip the switch. But we're going to do what we can to delay it and, and hopefully stop it because it's wrong. Just to give you an example, and one of the reasons the UFT and, and so many other uh, firefighters or cops or sanitation workers, when they first get a job, they don't pick where they can work. They get assigned. And if you live in Staten Island and commute to Manhattan, and we only already pay a toll on the Verrazano Bridge and the, and the Hugh Carey Tunnel, now the MTA wants to say, okay, we're going to take another $4,000 from you. So it hurts them, it hurts their families, and I think it's going to hurt the city, uh, frankly, as a whole. So uh, we will do what we can and work with anybody and everybody who wants to stop congestion pricing. If they want money, let them go the normal way. Lobby uh, Albany, lobby the city, lobby, lobby the federal government like everybody else, and get an allocation to, to run the agency uh, the way it should be run. Vito, this is Craig Eaton. I just want to say you tackled the migrant crisis on behalf of Staten Islanders. Now you're tackling congestion pricing. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work, my friend. Thank you so much, Craig. We're just here to be the voice of the people who deserve yeah. a voice. People of Staten Island are hardworking, patriotic, love this country, uh, and they're getting things done and imposed upon them that they didn't ask for, they didn't want, problems they didn't cause, and they're asked to solve all these problems. So we're just trying to be a voice. And thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate that. Well, thank you, Vito Fisella, borough president of uh, Staten Island. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. And uh, thank you for helping save uh, uh, Manhattan. Thank you. Well, John, thanks for providing a platform for those who just want to speak out and try to do the right thing. You're the, you're the best. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's go to Dr. Mark Siegel now, and we'll find out. What is it going to take to save the king? 
Yep. Uh, Dr. Siegel, uh, we like saying God save the king. We haven't been able to say that in this country for a long time, right? So. Since 1775. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The year before 1776. Yeah, we don't want to say 1776. Well, I, I, <laughs> I heard a rumor that I was bumped last night for some British guy. So if that's true, he should have given you the answer already. But if he didn't, I'll take a shot at it. Oh, no, never. <laughs> By the way, Dr. Siegel, that would never, we ever would never happen. Bump you. Never, never bump Never, ever. We would go overtime. Yeah, we'd go listen, one listen, side of the lawn and then go guys. to this side. I adore you guys, and I you already know that the next dinner you're having with Mariano Rivera, I'm invited. So um, <laughs> anyway, so here's what I think has happened with the king. You know, and I've been saying this on TV, and to my surprise, because it doesn't always happen, a lot of urologists and oncologists are backing me up and saying the same thing. Now, they're saying it after me, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. What you do when you're when you're in the medical world is you put together puzzles, piece puzzles, pieces of puzzles, and you don't always have all the pieces. And in this case, they're trying to obscure the pieces. And I have no idea why they would mention the C word cancer and not give us more information than that. I mean, that's disturbing. So here's how I put it together. And again, I don't have a lot of information, but he, the king goes into the hospital to have a, a limited procedure on the prostate to shave it. In doing that, you go through the bladder and the, the urethra to actually look. And in doing so, what you would see is a direct visualization of the inside of the prostate and the, depending on how the procedure is done, perhaps the bladder. And if they saw something irregular, they would biopsy it or remove it. And if it came back positive, that would mean bladder cancer. And they could treat that with outpatient infusions of, of beta-HCG, or basically it's a similar bacteria to tuberculosis that doesn't harm you at all, and that could be what we're talking about here. That seems to me to be the most likely explanation, but I don't have inside information on that, because after all, you could be about to do a procedure and feel a lump on somebody's neck, you know, or you could see something on a chest x-ray. But the way this is being handled, if I, I keep thinking, and I hope, John, I hope, Rita, I hope you all agree with me. If you're the king of England and they find something severe, they're going to have you in the hospital. I mean, what would you, what would you be getting outpatient treatments for? If this is lymphoma, you're giving, giving chemotherapy, I think the king of England would get it in the hospital. If this is cancer spread from somewhere else, the bowel or the lung, which is common in men, I would think he'd be in the hospital. So I'm taking it as optimistic that this is outpatient treatments. If it's skin cancer, you don't do recurrent treatments. You treat once. So I'm putting the puzzle together that they were doing a procedure on this area of the body and that whatever they found a week later, they're announcing now they're doing outpatient treatments. I'm suspicious for bladder cancer. If they caught bladder cancer early, the prognosis is quite good. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Uh, Dr. Siegel, I want to also move on to uh, Toby Keith, who passed away, 62 years old, a great country singer, one of the, the biggest names ever in country music, stomach cancer. Um, and he performed, by the way, in Vegas. I was looking at some footage today. He looked so thin, but that's obviously a difficult one to overcome. Well, he has a great heart. Great musician. I'm a big fan of his. Me too. The only, the only thing I would say about stomach cancer, and I don't know his particular case that well, but I would, and I'm not supposed to, and I'm not saying I should know the King's case that well either, by the way, but I should know more than, more than I know about what I'm more than I'm hearing. But here's what I want to say about to, stomach cancer. We have the ability to directly visualize the stomach right now. And we have the ability to figure out what your risk is depending on what we see in an endoscope. 
and we have the ability to treat it with with things like protonics, uh, Prilosec, Omiprazole, uh, Zantac, you know, ch- decreasing alcohol, decreasing smoking, changing diet. We have all of that at our, at our disposal. The key for this, and I'm not talking about Toby Keith, the key for this is early detection. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you for updating us, and um, and we'll keep you in mind uh, next time we see Mariano Rivera. Well, I'll, I'll take any, dinner, I'll take any, dinner, I'll take any din- dinner invitation. The man comes with a gun, and he protects me. <laughs> thank you so much, uh, Dr. Siegel, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank Thanks you. very much. Thank, thank, you, thank you, Dr. Siegel. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to come back with – Andrew McCarthy, and what is he going to explain to us? He is going to be talking about the border, border bill uh, that he says, boy, has some huge holes, just like the border, uh, basically the border fence that we saw with the migrants in 60 Minutes. Huge holes in the case, and he's going to say why well, he's it should a smart not be guy. passed. Hopefully we, we find out some answers. All right, let's take that break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here. By the way, uh, the debate has already started uh, for the potential impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. That started a little bit ago. And joining us to talk about the border bill that looks like it's not even going to make it out of the Senate uh, now is Andrew McCarthy. He is a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. And uh, Andy, you feel this bill is just it's it's not appropriate. There's a lot of issues in the bill. Talk about it because obviously now even Republicans in the Senate are saying they don't want to pass the bill. Yeah, well, I think the thing with it, Rita, is that there's a lot of uh, enticing good in it. But the problem is that all the things that are good about it are things that President Biden could do right now without any changes in the law. And then if you accept it, uh, through this bill, you have to buy on to the bad in the bill, which I think would codify a lot of things that would be harmful to immigration enforcement. For example, uh, it's right now the law of the United States and has been for decades that if an illegal alien is apprehended trying to cross our border or even inside of our borders, uh, that illegal alien is supposed to be detained until the conclusion of the removal proceedings. If you uh, if this bill or this proposal in the Senate became law, that would be undermined by provisions in there that allow for all kinds of uh, means for freeing or releasing uh, illegal aliens on um, you know bail conditions and less. Um, and I, I just it's it, it, if we have good law, we don't want to undermine it with bad law unless what we're getting out of it is something really good, and it's just not. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people are saying this, as to your point, doesn't go nowhere near far enough. Um, obviously, I also want to remind our listeners of the speech from Biden a little bit ago that was so vitriolic, blaming the GOPs for the whole crisis in general, which is a whole separate issue. Andy, we have uh, Judge Weinberg with us. Andy, welcome back to the show. As I was okay. reading your, your articles and listening about the bill, it seems to me the following conclusion is inescapable. By passing that kind of bill, you're ratifying all the failures of the Biden administration. 
you're waiving your rights to claim that they were acting inappropriately and they're setting a cap of 5,000 or 3,000 or 4,000 all in the discretion of the administration and the Homeland Secretary. It's insane to have a bill like that when you have law and the Constitution that allows the president to do the right thing now. Yeah, I think that's right. And I also think, like, here's one provision of it that that makes exactly the point, I think, that you're making, and that is they're touting the fact that they increase the amount of detention space from what currently is 34,000 detention spaces. They're beating their chest that they increase that to 50,000. Now, I would point out that, number one, we have 6 million people plus Biden has led into the country. So, you know, whether it's 34,000 or 50,000 detention spaces really doesn't make much of a difference since, you know, we've overwhelmed the detention detention capacity anyway. But the other thing is the Biden administration doesn't use the detention capacity we have now. So what's the what's the sense of increasing it? All you're going to do is put more federal taxpayer money into unused resources. And also, if they're if. This formula they want to use were to kick in where you could get up to 5,000 a day into the country before you would have to close the border. How long do you figure the extra 16,000 detention spaces are going to last? Maybe till Wednesday? Right. It, it is amazing. And, you know, the thing is, to your point, Andy, he, this president could use executive action. He used it to get rid of Remain in Mexico. He could put it right back in. Uh, and, yeah, and not only you that, know? not only that, Rita, he could use statutory action. Yes. There is a statute yes. that the Supreme Court has up- upheld that says he has the authority given to him by Congress to shut the border. So now, Andy, so what he's doing, he's now playing a political game at the country's national security expense. He's playing a blame game when all the responsibility for this open border is on him. He created the situation. He can cure it. He does not need legislation. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I would also just say, like, from my standpoint, I don't really care whether Trump opposes this or is in favor of it or how Biden thinks the politics of it are. I think for, like, sensible Americans, this is about national security. The border yep. is a security issue. The, the politics of it aren't particularly interesting to people who care about the security of the country. Yeah, 1,000 percent. You're right. It, it shouldn't matter what politics it is. It's common sense. You know, Andy, I also want to just uh, get your thoughts on this. I'm curious what your thoughts are about the fact uh, this the beatdown of these these migrants did of the NYPD cops and the fact that they got out on no bail. I mean, that is shocking. Only one of them uh, who was uh, put before the grand jury charges today came through just for one. Uh, but the rest of them are roaming free. There are so many problems here with this system. Yeah, there sure are. I mean, the biggest ones, Rita, are you have to have a prosecutor who prosecutes. So it's not the easiest thing to get people detained in New York, but it's not impossible. The prosecutor has to want to do it. Secondly, New York is insane because it's the only jurisdiction in the United States, federal or the other 49 states and the District of Columbia, where a judge is not allowed to keep a person in custody pretrial based on dangerousness to the community. Uh, In New York, judges are supposed to close their eyes to that, uh, and that's just nuts. 
Yeah, but in this case, it's interesting because Kathy Hochul is saying this was eligible. I mean, in this case, it could have qualified. Yeah. Judge Weinberg, your yeah. thoughts. And, and Andy, there's another little fly in the ointment here. There's an executive order signed by Andrew Cuomo when he was governor that, that agrees that there's a ban on working with ICE by the state authorities. That can be rescinded by a stroke of the pen by Kathy Hochul, and she's not doing that. What do you say about that? Well, I, I say that I the Democrats... Uh, you know, I'm trying not to get too political here, but they make me a little bit dizzy because I spend most of my days hearing about how lawless Trump is. And, you know, I'm not saying that there's nothing to that there. You know, there's uh, plenty of grist for that claim. But at the same time, they're saying that they don't have to enforce federal law. You know, when you're saying you're a sanctuary city, it turns out that they don't want to really be sanctuary cities. But uh, as they're seeing now, it's costing that. But what that's that's a euphemistic way of saying we refuse to execute, carry out or facilitate federal immigration law. And that's that's just as lawless as anything they've ever accused Trump of. And a violation of their oath of office. Yeah. And and the other thing about it is these guys are illegal aliens. Even if you throw out the dangerousness to the community, the traditional number one issue in bail is roots in the community so that the court can be confident that you'll actually come back to your court proceedings. If you have illegal aliens who have no ties to your jurisdiction and all their ties are to another country outside the United States where we can't arrest them, how do you let that person out on bail? Yeah, it is. It is shocking. Like you said, they had it, it no connection to the community. No, uh, it was it was a given they were going to be a flight risk, John. I mean, to me, it was obvious. These these people had nothing to lose. I'm still shocked that they, they, they're trying to prosecute that Marine that helped the people in the subways. Yeah, that's a great he helped, point. He helped black people. He helped white people. He helped yeah. everybody. Yeah, all the women that were there saying, thank goodness there was a Daniel Penny, the Marine, on that subway. Uh, that's a great point. Um, Andy, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it, Andy. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Have a great night, guys. Thank you. And by the way, you know, Andy was talking about the cost of the taxpayers. I just saw this today. This new thing, this is the credit card, uh, the debit card, John, which you and I were talking about. Million. Yeah, 53 million. It is only 40% of what low income New Yorkers get per day. Uh, they would get twelve fifty two a day. This is seven fifty nine for American citizens. Getting, why are the migrants getting more money than the poor uh, uh, New Yorkers? Why are the migrants getting more money than the vets? Yeah, it's crazy. It's disgraceful. It's an absolute disgrace to the New Yorkers. Yeah. Well, guys, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. And God, God save, save the, the king. king. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.